and thank you for joining us for episode number six of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we ask global industry leaders from world-class brands to share their best practices, stories, innovations, and more to help you move your agency business or organization ahead. Our topic for today is how to hire a marketing superstar. In this episode, we discuss how our guests got into recruiting for marketing businesses, how our guest identifies marketing superstars, several tips for people who are looking for marketing jobs, and hiring tips for employers. Our guest, Peter Reek, is the owner of Smart and Savvy. Smart and Savvy helps find senior level marketing sales, communications, and creative professionals with proven track records for companies who need them. Peter started Smart and Savvy 10 years ago. He is a marketing recruitment specialist who has been helping companies hire and build for success for over 20 years. Peter has served clients in a variety of industries, led sizable teams, and launched divisions in Canada, US, Europe, and Australia. As always, stay tuned to the end of the interview where we find out what our guest likes to spread on his toast. Episode number six, how to hire a marketing superstar. Here we go. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining me on the Jelly Marketing Podcast. Good to be here. As I just said in the introduction, this is Peter Reek. Peter, are you the you're the owner of uh, Smart and Savvy? Is that your position, or is that what you call yourself? What does it say on your business card? Yeah, President, Owner, Smart Savvy, and Associates for sure. Excellent. And uh, I want to talk about Smart and Savvy in just a sec, but before we go there, yeah, um, mm-hmm. just would be great to find out a little bit about yourself. I know that you're in the uh, Vancouver, the greater Vancouver area. Have you always mm-hmm. lived in this area? Is that where you were born and grew, grew up? No, I actually grew up in Toronto, uh, Etobicoke to be specific, right by the uh, the airport. So relocated here to go to university, uh, fell in love with the province and a uh, woman living here and stayed. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And yeah, so... Tell us a little bit about your business, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about the history of mm-hmm. of that and and how you got into it. But I think before we go there, tell us a little bit about Smart and Savvy. So we uh, we're a very specialized uh, search firm, uh, marketing, communications, and sales recruitment. Uh, because of our specialization, we do work across a number of different uh, industries, specifically you know uh, the finance industry is a big one for us. Retail is big. Um, and software and technology are, are big industries for us. So we, we help um, companies find the people they need uh, to grow their businesses. And you've been specialized the, the, almost the entire time on, on marketing people and providing marketing people for businesses. Yeah, so it's 10 years now. Funny yeah. how it sneaks up on you. But yeah, it's been it's a 10-year specialization. We've expanded into a couple of other geographies. So we are doing a little bit of work in Toronto, and we're gearing up to tackle the west coast of the U.S. Great. And how did you get interested in recruiting? Like, how did you get interested and decide to start that kind of a business? It was. It was. It's very interesting. Um, I was. I've been self-employed for over twenty years, and I was at the point where I was looking actually to purchase a business because I wanted to move out of just straight consulting, and I couldn't really find a business that I was. Uh, interested in or thought that I couldn't start better from scratch. So, you know, throughout that time, I had also helped three people uh, find jobs because it's always been, a, you know, a piece of my fabric to be a facilitator of those things. And then I thought, hey, I think I could make a living at this. And then all of a sudden, 
I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and why marketing? Why did you decide to focus on marketing? I think I wanted to, that's an area that I, because I came out of marketing, I knew I could sit across the table from any marketer and understand who they needed and could also um, add some value in being adept at smoking out the uh, marketing pretenders and, and getting good at identifying, um, you know, sniffing out the stars Great. and being able to represent them. Yeah. Well, that demands a follow-up question for sure. <laughs> how do you sniff out the stars? <laughs> well, I think it's all in in how you approach your questions and really being able to, uh, you know, start a conversation at a certain level, and with each progressive step, you're going a little bit deeper to get the individual on the other side of the table to quantify the contributions that they've made, point specifically to why the business that they were working in is was better off because of their involvement and having them you know, take take the, the time to do the digging to actually pull out uh, the specific things that they did to add to their employer's bottom line. Hmm. So mm-hmm. would, it, would, it, would I be shortening it too much and simplifying it too much to say that you're looking for people that have gotten results in the past? Yes, definitely. Results... Um, quantifiable results uh, through intentionality and concerted effort for sure. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I'm really, I'm always really interested in people's stories. So just let's jump back just a little bit. What did you do before you started smart and savvy? So uh, straight out of university, I had always, you know, had a trended in the direction of self-employment. So I started a landscaping business, um, which was, fairly short-lived given that I had to run to the library every time something tricky came out to figure out how to uh, address it. Uh, and it was pretty seasonal. So my first real job was with uh, the Real Canadian Superstore, or West Fair Foods, when they were just expanding into the lower mainland here. And they were opening up stores very aggressively. And we would set up essentially pop-up shops where we needed to interview a thousand people to get it down to 300 perspectives, people to work within the store. So from a very right out of the gate, pretty much a recruitment was part of what I knew. Hmm. Then I moved into, you know, they, with respect to marketing, they say marketing finds you. You don't necessarily find marketing. I moved into a position with a nutritional supplements company um, that was uh, growing quickly in Canada and uh, so took a marketing position with them, which led to actually two international GM assignments, uh, one in the UK and one in Australia. And, one was a startup and the other was more of a forensic cleanup situation. But uh, so that's, I, I cut my teeth in marketing within a very quick moving industry and uh, then returned back to Canada where I started a career in consulting, which uh, was focused on market research and branding and then moved to recruitment 10 years ago. That's a really interesting statement you said there. Marketing. <laughs> So say it again. Marketing doesn't necessarily. But you don't necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You don't necessarily find marketing. It finds you. Um, yeah. Like, there's a variety of different assessments out there that identify competencies and interests. And and if you're if you have a natural inclination to persuade or uh, tell stories, then quite often you find yourself in marketing hmm. by you know not by 
it just happens. <laughs> yeah. I think the reason I find that fascinating is you're the sixth person that we've interviewed for the Jelly Marketing Podcast. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been asking everybody about their history and how they got into marketing. And ne- nearly every single one of them did something else before they got into marketing. And marketing mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. did that. Lit- marketing found them. You know, they were mm-hmm. in positions where we interviewed uh, Isla Collins from Yelp. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like that. You know, she just she saw things that she thought she could fix and could do and and could, you know, could help. I guess persuade. That's an interesting word mm-hmm. uh, that that you brought that up. But yeah, nearly every single person was doing something else or went to school for something else before they got into marketing. I actually wanted to be a pilot. That's what I wanted to go to university <laughs> for. But yeah. I didn't have twenty twenty vision, so I you know, followed my dad's footsteps and took a business degree. He was uh, worked in consumer packaged goods with Nestle, and and so if it wasn't a pilot, it was going to be a business person, which ended up being a marketer. And that really brings up an interesting recruitment question. As I was thinking about interviewing you last night and and questions that I would ask you is that because marketing finds people, um, and and I I guess a lot of people don't necessarily go to school for marketing. So you have, I'm I'm assuming here, you have companies that have prerequisites for people that they want to hire. And then you have marketing people that maybe necessarily uh, might not have those prerequisites. They've, they've maybe been working in marketing mm-hmm. and, and, and having results. So how do you handle those situations? I guess, I guess you always have to, as much as possible, uh, match the, uh, employer's specifications with the employee. But did you come up against that quite a bit? Like you have these qualified people. Um, I'm mm-hmm. taking a long time to ask this question. <laughs> You have you maybe have a qualified person for an employer, but they don't have the uh, educational background or, or whatever right. that they might be looking for. I think generally in marketing, there are those people who take uh, marketing-focused programs or would do, you know, even undergrad or postgrad work, um, have a concentration in marketing. But for the most part, it's broadly accepted that there's a lot of routes that can set someone up for great career in marketing psychology is a great uh, entry point into marketing as well because you are you know you're looking to connect with people uh, in marketing and understanding you know human uh, psychology is is one road in uh, English is actually another road in mm-hmm. to marketing because uh, it's an exercise in communication and uh, English really prepares one for critical thought uh, and th- you know then there's the people who come in through the traditional business routes and some, you know, some, we talked about marketing, finding people, all of a sudden there's teachers and lawyers who decide, I think I was born to be a marketer. So I'm going to move in this direction as far as, you know, so I think there is a broad, there's no, there's not many times that we come up against somebody saying, I need someone with a a specific uh, educational certification in marketing. Does it help? Does it show intentionality for sure? But it's not necessarily often the prerequisite that we have to focus on. It's more where they've been, what they've done, and where they've added value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a company question. You said you've been at it for 10 years now. Uh, mm-hmm. What's been the most difficult part of starting your own company? There's, I would say in general, recruitment is a difficult business. Uh, and, and, and there's several elements that combine to that. One, you know, one, it's recession dependent. So uh, 2008 was not our best year. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, but it's also an industry and where nothing's ever over till it's over. Uh, there's a lot of pushing uphill. There's a lot of persuading. You've got two moving parts on either side, a client and a candidate, and you're trying to pull them together. And quite often, neither one of them are, you know, intensely clear on what, what it is that they're looking for. So you're helping narrow goalposts a lot. And someone on both sides can be yes, 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 and then no right down at at the wire. So it's, it's definitely an industry where, um, you know, nothing's over till it's over. You've got two, uh, two interested parties that you're trying to bring together. And, uh, and sometimes you have to start again from scratch <laughs> when you've invested <laughs> a lot of time, but yep. you know, that therein lies the thrill as well, Rod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a lot of things, right? It's never yeah. over till it's over. You just got to hang in there and keep, keep moving keep taking the next step. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, back to what you were talking about earlier, sometimes, particularly on the client side, they can have a list of criteria that they deem really important. And while we're sitting on the side, taking a look at that list of criteria, and we're, we see that they're missing out on some people who could do a really great job of the, uh, with them. Like they want an industry background in their industry versus a transferable background. So that can be challenging as well as, is helping your client uh, see the, the big picture of, of who they really need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've watched your company grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would imagine it's required some personal growth on your part too. What sort mm-hmm. of, what, What's a life lesson that you've learned over the last 10 years? What had to change in you to uh, grow your company to get it to the point where it is now? Maybe I'll do a two-pronged answer here. Go for it. Uh, the first, so I'd, I'd say, like I mentioned, I re- alluded to the recession a little bit earlier. Uh, 2008 was a tough year. And I can remember the day when we had, um, we were working on about six different roles and four of them got canceled within 90 minutes minutes of each other <laughs> oh, wow. um, through, through clients phoning us. And, and you know, you have, you have to ask yourself some hard questions there. And I, I went to, um, I just had a workshop that I was going to attend that evening and in the workshop the individual was talking about um, why the benefits of marketing harder during a recession and pushing pushing hard the exponential uh, lift that you can get from marketing during a recession when uh, other groups in your industry are not mm-hmm. can gain you know you can gain a lot more market share uh, so so that wasn't I could that was a kind of a defining moment Peter, I'm going to market harder during this recession and hopefully we'll come out stronger on the other side. And I would say in general, um, in recruitment, given what I was telling you before, the two moving parts, you have to come to a realization that you can't control everything. You can narrow goalposts. You can put everybody in a position to make a, a great decision or a great hire, but you can't force an outcome. Nobody, I, I, I believe that nobody can, uh, they, they often refer to closing a sale. <laughs> nobody can close a sale except the buyer. So all we can do is put the buyer, in this case, the, the client or the candidate, in the situation where they can you know, buy into each other. But we can't control that. We can't make anyone uh, sign. And that's, you know, that's difficult because I do have control tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, and then there's just the constant uh, in our world. There's a lot of um, you know because you don't know exactly what's going on behind on both sides of the equation. 
you can tell yourself a lot of stories mm-hmm. of what might be happening and you can actually uh, work yourself up or, or get or psych yourself up or think something's going to crash when it's really just about to take off. Yeah, thanks for that. So we might have some people that are looking for let's, – let's approach the tip mm-hmm. section of this interview in two different ways if you don't mind. Uh, let's, let's talk about people – if you could provide some tips for people that are looking for work in the marketing industry and then mm-hmm. maybe provide some tips for um, companies that are looking for uh, employees. So let, let's start out with people who are looking for work. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are two or three things that what, – what are two or three tips that you could give? Mm-hmm. I'd say start with where you are right now in the role that you're in right now. Uh, approach each day looking to add value. Operate like an owner. Look to be making a contribution because being able to share those contributions uh, with a prospective new employer is going to be what sets you ahead. I think sometimes people will slip into a trap in their current job and they might feel a little bit, um, you know, unmotivated or dissatisfied and there's a can be a tendency to check out avoid that like the plague get in always make sure you're offering a contribution uh, and keeping track of the contributions that you make for sharing that when you're sitting across the table with the person who has an opportunity to offer you a new opportunity Mm -hmm. Uh, nurture your network Um, you, you know Networking is a two-way street. It's, you know, give and take. It's, um, it's, and it requires investment. It means going to an event when you'd rather go watch Netflix. <laughs> uh, it means writing a recommendation for somebody on LinkedIn when, you know, it might, it might require an investment of 10 minutes. So, uh, you know, being, looking to be an active contributor to a network of, of peers <clears throat> and then be open-minded and be open to opportunities um, and keep your, your ear to the ground for them. Don't, um, don't rule something out too quickly. Approach it with an objective mindset and, and see what that opportunity could do for your, your career. I'd say I've seen people who have built really smart careers that are very logical and each step makes sense. And, you know, you should, you should evaluate opportunities and next steps as uh, contributing to the overall offering that you can make to a company. There was one thing I wanted to jump on there. Just delineate between th- this attitude, because I, I see it a lot, and I, I guess I kind of struggle with it even myself as, as an employee mm-hmm. right now, is having the owner mindset. Can you just talk about that a little bit? What, what, what sort of a mindset is that? It's, yeah, you know, you all everybody refers to the the owner always has their eye on the big picture of what's going on around them and uh, you know it can be a simple thing as noticing that that box has been sitting there for a little while maybe i should move it or see if i can you know help out in an overall uh capacity to do something to help this business move forward but mostly it's taking a look at the role that you're playing and the contributions that you can make and looking to make sure that you're taking a look at it from all angles, that you're looking for opportunities for the business. You treat your role or your business unit as if ultimately you, you own it and you're looking out uh, for the best interests of 
the business unit and even at the expense of the you know best interests of yourself. And mm-hmm. what about business owners? Of course, they can they can hire smart and savvy <laughs> if they're looking for good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you have any advice for business owners when it comes to recruiting good people? Because this is huge. I know that at Mission Possible, we're kind of a recruiting organization. You know, we're training people uh, to for for the workforce, and we need supervisors all the time. It's just an ongoing need where we're at and, and trying to find good people. So, yeah, what sort of advice do you have for employers? I, I have a lot, <laughs> but, but I, I'm going to try and narrow it down. Okay. <laughs> I, I'd say the first the first thing that I would say is a lot, and you've all of us have heard this a hundred times. Um, I knew whether or not I was going to hire this person within the first 10 minutes. Mm. Um, and I'd say the biggest hiring mistake that people make is to – uh, make a decision within the first 10, a go, no go decision within the first 10 minutes based on first impressions, based on that per- person's charisma and their ability to connect. And there are those people who are going to make a great first impression, uh, where, where, you know, wherever they go, but they are not necessarily the one that you need, uh, for the role that you're hiring for and not necessarily going to bring the skills that you need. So our, it, my advice is, Give yourself a half an hour. Suspend judgment for a half an hour. There's slow burn people out there who take a while to grow, to grow on you, and it takes a while to, for to draw out their stories. So you want to spend time and give everybody that that amount of time, a fair amount of time to to be that slow burn and to sneak up on you. Hmm. That's great. So uh, that would be one. Um, I think what you want to do is you want to. You want to get good at asking questions and doing a deep dive uh, through their career. So we're, we're scuba versus snorkeling um, <laughs> to, to ask the right questions and to, and to ask them in a way that it, it can be quite humbling. In fact, we often refer to, to some of our questions as a humbling. And it's really, you know, two questions. What have you done that has had the most dramatic impact on your employer's bottom line? So what is it that you've done? I don't want to hear about your philosophies on bottom lines. I want to hear what you've done that has made um, a dramatic impact on your employer's bottom line. And this is going to, you know, could create a little bit of panic as they work through their, uh, all the different things that they've done to try to quantify that. Mm -hmm. But really you want a person who can answer that question Mm -hmm. um, well. And then the other thing asking them what they've done throughout their career that would cause them to stand apart from other candidates who might be applying for this role. So it's getting good at asking questions, asking them in a way that pushes them, reining them back in when they launch on their leadership philosophy. When you've asked them for specific examples, I didn't ask for it. That's great. But I really wanted some specific examples here. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to keep your, I out for people who have moved to other companies and other people have gone with them. Uh, that's a sign that you're working with a star. Hmm. Uh, also, uh, perhaps maybe they've been um, rehired by a boss who moved on um, and people who have been progressively promoted. These are signs that you're dealing with somebody who's, who's a high performer. Hmm. They've either rehired former team members or been rehired by a former manager. I think you want to 
everybody asks questions about five-year goals and whatnot, but you, what you're looking for is everybody likes to hire people who know where they're going. So you want to see some sense of intentionality. I'm sitting across this table from you because it makes sense. Um, it makes sense for both of us. I can add a lot of value here, and this is a great next step for me. And then you just want to check the you know the balance of confidence and enthusiasm. Both are fine lines. Confidence can trend to arrogance. So you want to see a confident person with a good sense of themselves and an appropriate amount of humility. And on the enthusiasm side, um, enthusiasm can trend to desperation. <laughs> so you want to, you want, you want a person, you want to, you want to be bringing someone on your team that really wants to be there. I heard from someone recently who helps build companies. He said, addressing this issue of trying to find good employees. He said, there's no unicorns out there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're talking about hiring stars. What do you think about, and, and this is, I, I can see the danger in this, even as I'm asking it, but <laughs> not hiring for potential per se, but looking at someone and saying, okay, there's enough there that I think we, you know, I, th they could be developed into, into a star. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think, there's individuals out there with growth mindsets and with fixed mindsets. And, and I, as an individual, if hiring for my own company would always trend towards the person with the growth mindset. So, and that sometimes does mean you're investing in someone maybe a little bit ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's ultimately, you know, a decision that a lot of companies have to make. Do I want to been there, done that who can manage this role or do I want an up and comer? And, and, you know, when you look at transferable skills, you know, competencies are transferable. They, 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 can, they can transcend industries and they can uh, even transcend roles because there are certain competencies, things that people that are, people are so good at that they become second skin, that, that if you spot those in somebody, uh, I think you can, you can both take each other places. Mm-hmm. This is probably all advice that people who are looking for jobs should keep in mind too. <laughs> right? yeah. If you're looking for a job, try to keep in mind what an employer is looking for. So I'm thinking specifically of the question about, you know, think about what results you, if you're looking for a job, think about the results that you've been able to for past employers and, and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. For sure. Excellent. Well, great advice, Peter. And uh, I want to jump to our, our final set of questions here. We kind of have a a lightning round where we ask everybody the same set of questions. So um, let's let's jump right into that as we as we wrap up. The, Do I have to answer at lightning speed? No, you don't. You can take your time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the first question is, because we're the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? What I like to and what I should are two different things. Um, Nutella would be at the top of my list. I'm sure that that's I'm it's not I'm not the first person to say that. <laughs> so you're in a Nutella. Yeah. Okay. Do you put anything else on with your Nutella or is it no, just, just well, maybe a banana, maybe some banana. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I miss breakfast. So you're kind of making me a little bit angry. <laughs> and uh, the second question is, what do you do to handle stress? What, uh, again, what I should do and what I do are two different things. And uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm not one of those people who, who exercising came, uh, was, was something that I prioritized as I should have. So I am, trying to introduce exercise into my schedule on a regular basis to to deal with stress cool what sort of stuff are you doing 
I've checked into a new program. It's called Orange Theory, which is designed for, I guess, early, late age or early stage boomers like myself. <laughs> uh, so it's a good hour workout. Yeah, cool. We have one yeah. here in our complex. It looks pretty, looks pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're a pretty tech savvy guy. Uh, so do you have a favorite app or online tool? Hmm. Uh, well, I, if I look at the ones that I'm in and out of most, I'm, I'm, I use our invoicing, <laughs> invoicing <laughs> app a lot. So FreshBooks is, is, I'm in, in and out of that fairly regularly and our, our CRM. So it's a base, uh, checking, checking into those. So they're mo- most of the ones that I use are for, for more business purposes. And then, um, yeah, those two. Yeah. So are you an, are you a uh, iPhone or Android person? iPhone iPhone. And uh, do you have a favorite life or business hack to share? Some shortcut, loophole, or something that has made your life easier? I'd say overall it's more of a theme. Um, I, I run with your strengths. And a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to accommodate for our weaknesses or areas of non-strength and uh, to the point where we forget to run with our strengths. So I would say um, the set yourself up so you can focus in areas that will take advantage of your strengths. I like that. That's a different way of approaching that question. I, li- I like mm-hmm. that answer. Great. I know there's a ton of causes out there. I know you're a big hearted guy, but is there a, mm-hmm. if you could pick one just for the purposes of our interview, is there a cause mm-hmm. that's near and dear to your heart? I think if I look at what, what moves me the most or what, what caused me to get angry or stand up and make a difference, I think it would be in the area of social justice. Mm particularly in the area of children. Uh, International Justice Mission is a, a cause that I, I really appreciate their approach and their mission. So. If people want to find out more about Smart and Savvy or get in touch mm-hmm. with you, what should they mm-hmm. do? Um, our website is smartsavvy.com. One great way to interact with us is if you're in the Lower Mainland uh, is... Uh, to attend one of our leader lounges. We put on a monthly leader lounge where we actually do a book study um, of a leading business book or have a speaker come in and talk about an interesting topic into the field of marketing and communications and leadership. So, And you can check that offering out at leaderlounge.ca. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes along with a lot of the other things that you talked about today. We'll put some links to to some of those things and uh yeah you told me about that the leadership lounge at the canadian internet marketing conference and i was interested in that i'd forgotten about it so (laughs) yeah i'll have to check it out now come and check it out it's uh, the last wednesday of every month we take august and december off okay excellent Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i did i do have a leftover question i thought you got i thought you did a great job at the uh at the canadian internet marketing conference you had the You had the phone charger station there, <laughs> and uh, it, it, tell was it a good opportunity for you to network? Like, did did you get some good results from that? We did. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, that conference is a really unique one, and and I love the thinking that goes into organizing it, um, and always amazed at the caliber of speakers that Jelly and Co are able to attract to the stage um and we we built some really strong relationships given the nature of the conference we're actually stepping outside the city and you're not in a downtown urban core people tend to hang out and network which we took full advantage of in the in the lounge and got to 
interact with a number of different people. We got some client leads from there, and we actually met some fantastic candidates as well. And I got to reconnect with you. So, <laughs> well, that you know, that's that's in, interesting that you say that because I I really enjoyed the speakers. It was great, and I got some great you know some really good tips from that. And uh, actually, out of that came the Jelly Marketing Podcast. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that was that was awesome. But you know, I guess right a, a close second. Or one A, one B was the networking. It was good to reconnect yeah. with you and to just sit with some other people uh, and and talk to them about uh, their businesses. You know, people that are people that are marketers and people that own businesses. Mm-hmm. And then, like you say, you got incredible the caliber of, of speaker there is inc- amazing. You know, from the, some of the world's top brands like Google and Twitter and and uh, and others. It was just it was incredible. We go to a lot of conferences. We we you know sponsor. Our- uh, different things at different conferences and and i find the ones that are held in the downtown core uh, people are running out the door at any break mm-hmm. you know to go off into to their groups so so there's missed opportunity there to interact so i think the thinking behind taking everybody outside of the city is brilliant well thank you so much peter i've really enjoyed our conversation today and uh we didn't tell people off the top that you're you're coming off bronchitis, so I really enjoy. <laughs> I really appreciate you joining us today. And hey, no coughs. You made it. I made it. I made it. As soon as I hang up, I'm sure it'll happen. But you know, I, I appreciate you investing this time with me, okay. too, Rod, and uh, wish you every success. Well, thanks again to Peter Reek from Smart and Savvy for joining us on the sixth episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. If you'd like to check out some of the show notes and links from this episode, go to the Jelly Marketing Podcast page at jellymarketing.com and you'll find it under the blog tab of the website. Also be sure and check us out on iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you soon. You can fly This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.